today on the show, Radical Ones, we continue Sword and Sorcery Summer with the 1988 film Willow. You need a warrior for a job like this. I'm a nobody. It's time to get radical. Something really special that I've been promising to show you. What would you do to get him? Grab him and take him. Take him. Like that. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons try! Yes! Let this be our final battle! I have my eyes. I have my cunning. And now I have strength. A never-ending adventure new for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Zelda! You must find a champion. Heart with pure in spirit. Champions? What champions? Welcome back, Radical Ones, to another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, here with the movie geek himself, Rob, for the next episode in our Sword and Sorcery Summer. We are coming right off the 100th episode, Rob. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Glad to be talking about today's movie. So let's bring up the 100th episode really quickly. I got a call from David. Hello, David. He's like, love the episode. Love that we were all together. He's like, but you mentioned how terrible the audio was in the beginning. And he goes, and then I start talking and the worst audio ever possible comes out. I don't know what happens with David's mic. He's on a separate microphone. He's buying a new laptop, honestly, just for this podcast cast everybody so i don't know what happened rob it sounded much worse before i put him through the magic filter uh-huh i i look I, the as long as i understand the person who's talking i really don't care it doesn't necessarily have to match the exact sort of tone and and volume as others if i can understand you it's all good uh it, it's all about what you say then then how you sound at least for me but of course if we were in sort of a higher plateau of you know just you know very popular and the expectation of having you know the equipment and the money behind the show then yes definitely you know call us up for our sound but i i I understood him the entire time so i'm fine we judge ourselves sometimes the worst but new new equipment coming for david so that's going to be exciting it was a different time It was a time of destiny. A time when a child could tip the balance between good and evil. Why, with my powers, with the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? A time for an unlikely hero named Willow. Tell her I'm not gonna let anything happen to the baby. We gotta give that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. A time of scoundrels. What goes on here? Uh oh. And a time of rebels. You are great. You're gonna get us killed. 
warrior and a swordsman. And you're ten times bigger than I am, stupid! Find a child. Find a child! It was a time when courage could be found where you'd least expect it. A time when unearthly powers raged and good men risked their lives. A time of great adventure. From the creator of Star Wars and the director of Cocoon, Willow. Let's get into today's movie. Rob, this is a big one. This is Willow from 1988, and the summary is, Enter the world of Willow. Journey to the far corners of your imagination, to a land of myth and magic, where dreams and reality live side by side, to a place that never existed, a time that never was. It is a world where a young man named Willow lives, out in an adventure that explores beyond the boundaries of his own hopes and fears, Released Mr. Anniversary, May 20th of 1988. Mm-hmm. Another anniversary. <laughs> this is, of course, Sword and Sorcery Summer. So this was going to be touched upon. Besides the anniversary, this is one of your number one picks when we brought up this topic. Tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I I really enjoyed watching this as a kid. And it's so funny because, you know, this is all George Lucas, right? Mm-hmm. And Ron Howard, who who are great in, in the, the game that they're in. Me not being as much of a Star Wars fan you know that's more towards the sci-fi sort of aspect where this is yeah. more fantasy this is where me and george lucas can have a conversation you know <laughs> it's you know when you put monsters and magic and goblins and all of that stuff into the mix that that sci-fi you know like I, I don't want to get into Star Wars right now, but I just, this is where I can have an agreement with him. I like this movie, and it pretty much is a Star Wars film without all the sci-fi. With the music, the Beautiful transitions, <laughs> the horsemen who are literally sounding like stormtroopers, the screams, you know, the stormtrooper scream, all of that's in there. I know there's a name for it, too. I think there's a name for it. Yes, there is a name for it. I have to actually have a little thing for you okay very good but yeah all of that's in so i just enjoy this type of world and willow is just one of the best because i've said this in the past i love a good underdog i love the david goliath story i love just someone triumphing over what they are expected to be in the world he had a lot of you know walls to him to where he had to like push through he felt he was destined to be something that everyone told him he couldn't and this this little man like ended up being a great hero and i just love stories like that so yes i i wanted this to be a part of the the lineup i wonder though because it gets so compared to star wars and you not being you know like you said a huge star wars fan and they're out there rob is not alone with this there's people who do not get star wars or it's not their thing but does this work in your favor because people compared it to star wars so much Mm -hmm. like but you you still see the comparisons but i wonder if you're a little more detached you can just go like okay it's in the vein of it yeah yeah i mean look 
look, I even though I may not be a hardcore fan, I watch them all. Yeah. You know, like I I know enough of the lore for me not to be completely lost. I just don't get into it like a lot of <laughs> fanboys out there. With that being said, I do pick up on sort of the George Lucas charm and signature in his films. And again, like I said earlier, with like the transitions and everything, these are things that kind of popped up at me. And I'm like, I completely see that George Lucas is a part of this. So uh, yeah, I, I think knowing a little bit like that, it, you know, it, it works in his favor because I really like Willow. Okay, so the other thing Rob brought up, which I love this, this is called the Wilhelm Scream. Okay, okay. So this is a stock scream that Rob mentioned it best. It's heard in Star Wars. It's heard in Indiana Jones, Lucasfilm films. But this has been used in countless films over the year. It's like a running joke. You'll hear this same exact, and we'll play the course, the cue, Mm -hmm. the sound. (laughs) It comes from a movie from 1951 called The Distant Drums, and it is used ever since then. A matter of fact, 2021, there was a count done, and it's been used over 401 times at the time. Hmm. And Rob, Lucasfilm is now retiring it, and in the last few Star Wars movies, they are using a new stock scream, supposedly, <laughs> oh, nice. that's going to be used. But honestly, I have not picked up on this in, in the later things. Okay, look at that. I learned something new today. I had no idea he was going to bring <laughs> this up, but I know he noticed the same thing, so I'm not surprised that he was already prepared. <laughs> <laughs> This starts out that it was actually written before Star Wars as an idea that George Lucas had. Awesome. And of course, the story changed many times. At once, it was called Munchkins. What <laughs> What do you think about that title? Like, is that too... Uh, uh... It's on the nose for sure. And I and I get it. One second. I, isn't there a movie called Munch- Munchkins? There is a Munchkins movie, isn't there? We're not just talking about the donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) I'm looking up right now. I want to say that there was a... I mean, of course, there's the Munchkins and the Wizard of Oz, but I I swear there was... Yeah, you're right. There's something. I thought I saw, like, a weird, like, ghoulies-type movie (laughs) called Munchkins or something. I don't know. Anyways... Here's the thing. I mean, when we talk about this movie, I don't think the title is too far off. There were a lot of derogatory names in this movie. Peck? Well, that was really stupid, Peck. Don't call me a Peck. Oh, I'm sorry. Peck? Peck? Peck, 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 Peck! You be careful. I am a powerful sorcerer. See this acorn? I'll throw it at you and turn you to stone. Ooh. I'm really scared. No, don't! Don't! There's a, a peck here with an acorn pointed at me! Oh, I wouldn't want to waste it. Ha! Peck, 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 peck! Yeah, there was a name for everyone. We do not say that on our show, Ryan. That's derogatory. It's true. That's true. <laughs> God, said it with such passion. <laughs> That's all I remember from that movie as a kid for some reason. <laughs> Val Kilmer in that birdcage, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. saying that word over and over again <laughs> uh yeah so yeah i'm so i'm not surprised i what did you think about like the the derogatory words that were being used in this like 
look, it doesn't affect us, you know, because no, they're not talking not. about us. But do you know how many times, like, if I hear the N-word one time in a movie, I get real turned off. And I'm like, I don't even know if I even care to watch the rest of this. Do you know how many times we had to hear all of these characters who we want to rally? Root for, yeah. And they're on the good side, and they are all still referring to him with this word. And it's Almost just that's like, his name, right? They Like, that was his, that was him. He was not Willow anymore. <laughs> It's That's just, what he was. I mean, I get it in the beginning, but it's just like they just kept going, and almost every single character said it at least once to him. And it's just like you know, you uh, watching it now, it stands out. Like you wonder if this influenced anyone when we were younger, watching it for the first time to just call somebody by the name that they're not. It's just funny to think about, you know. Like I didn't let it take away from the movie, but it's just funny to think about. Someone wrote in a comment when I was researching. They said, "Why didn't Disney?" Play- plus censor that but i said what would they put in its place you know it's like used as that so they would have to make up another word well it's also the other thing too is that there was never a moment at least i don't remember one when i watched it there was never really a moment where willow was like and don't call me peck and then he like killed somebody or something like there was never a moment where he took charge of it or made somebody feel stupid for saying it it just once these you know daikinis us humans decided to like treat him with respect is when we decided to respect willow in the movie and it's just like uh i i don't know if this works but yeah munchkin interesting (laughs) well very happy it changed yeah i'm glad they went with willow (laughs) although but that is very george lucas to me he would think of something like that ewoks Mm -hmm. munchkins or you know put something Mm -hmm. like that he actually offered the role of willow to warwick davis when he played the ewok wicked in return of the jedi and rob i cannot get over this he was what age he was 17 in this movie playing a father so young and i was very curious how old he was in this i'm glad you looked that up i'm i can't believe it i wonder if he was 17 in the movie i wouldn't be surprised he stands out as such a protector and a father figure it's definitely a testament to warwick's acting because i don't see leprechaun at all during this movie i see oh i did oh oh my god i did (laughs) the poses I it's the run it's the po- the voice oh, the alone run. like yes I watched Lilo well, Lilo a Willow growing up as a kid but like I've been subdued to leprechaun for the last 20 years with seven sequels like that's who he is to me like that's all i hear especially when he would yell out his wife's name kaya i'm like that is the leprechaun the wife oh my god i love their relationship by the way she is such a hype woman to him it is so it's so amazing to have such a supportive partner just like back you up like yes go out get yourself in danger i will stay home take care of the kids it's fine like she cut her hair you name me one woman that's gonna cut her hair for a man oh my god she loved her willow they they were they were so tight i love their relationship too they had a great one and i did love that beginning when you know he his children and him come upon the baby the moses down the river i mean we've got into adam and eve last week this is so moses this story <laughs> can but can you imagine though how vicious was willow where he was like just push the baby back down the river don't <laughs> touch it <laughs> right 
pretend we've never seen it. Let's just ignore it. <laughs> that was, but I do love that the wife found it and was touching it and was like already like, nope, we're taking care of this kid and and the whole journey. The family fell in love with this baby immediately, and you know, can we keep her? Can we keep her? Dada, dada. Oh, that was so cute. Um, but yeah, I. I get the drama that a baby like this would bring because all they need to do is just be like, yeah, we stole the baby or whatever. I mean, they, they live on the outskirts of wherever, you know, they're, they just want to be separate from all of the hate that goes on in the rest of the world. You know, they don't believe in fighting, you know, like they have these festivals. Yes, they have warriors to protect them when needed, but they're yes. not, <laughs> they're not driven by violence. And so like, they don't want anything to do with the outside world. It, it made sense for someone like Willow just be like, just get rid of it. We don't need to, you know, but Kaya's like, hells no, we're keeping this kid. <laughs> <laughs> and to speak of the people in the village, which, by the way, was always a medieval fair. Mm-hmm. Tony Cox. Yes. I totally forgot that he was one of the warriors in yes. this movie. Tony Cox is in this. And and our uh, Van Carr, our, our, his, so this is Phil von Dacaro. Yes, I think you, yeah. <laughs> who is from... Well, everything, but of course, Double Double, yes. Toil and Trouble, our Double favorite. Double Trouble, yes. He was also in Ghoulies 2. He was a carny in that one. I le- He's been in everything. Oh, he's been in everything. Do you remember there was a Full Moon Entertainment film? <laughs> oh, God. I, <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> I forget the name of it because it just popped in my head. But it was basically a mini-sized version of all the Universal Monsters. And he played the Dracula character. Okay. Is this the creeps? Yes, it's the creep. It's called Deformed Monsters Creep. So he played Dracula. There was uh, Mini Mummy, Frankenstein, and Werewolf. There's a small poster. <laughs> yeah. 1997. And yes, that's what I remember big. So that was fun. So yeah, it was great to see him. Um, Migosh, we know who Migosh is. This is David Steinberg. Charmed alumni, right? Exactly. He's a charmed alumni, but he was also in the Leprechaun themed story of Jake and the Leprechaun on Are You Afraid of the Dark? He was! Yes! He was the long, he had longer hair in that one. He didn't have his curls, but uh, he he was great in Afraid of the Dark. But yes, David Steinberg is who I remember most. Oh my god, Migosh is such the best friend that I never had. Like, he is the Sam to Frodo. Like, he... (laughs) Is just, I'm. It sucks that he didn't continue to join him for the yes. rest of the journey. But I totally get it. But it would have been nice to have the pair of them come in before Lord of the Rings. I would have loved to have been like, loved yeah, it. it's it's all about Willow and Migosh. You know, whatever about this Frodo and Sam. Like the true duo was Migosh and Willow. But I agree. Their dynamic, even in that scene when they come across. Val Kilmer for the first time again. Ma- mm-hmm. Mad man. I always wanted to call him when I was younger. Madman. Mad Mardigan. Good night, Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. I would have loved their dynamic. And honestly, I would have taken him in the group over the brownies. That's fair. Like, that to me is so far out. Like, again, that's a George Lucas thing to me. That was not needed to be in that this, this movie. I get it. They're comic relief. But to me, they were just stupid. I actually <laughs> like I actually like them. Do you? Okay, great. I did. Great. I, I found the brownies to be very entertaining. I want to say 
it was just their three stooges like relationship yes. <laughs> that they were just so bumbling especially when they were like okay we're gonna go this way and then he's like we're going this way and which way are we going that way and then it, it just kept going come on get ripped oh it's very dangerous it belongs to the fairies hey quiet you want to get us killed? Kevin Palick, my God, I never, I always forget that he played this comedic performance because I just remember yeah. him playing more serious characters. And Kevin Palick, I just think he was so good in this movie. So I I give them a little bit more credit than you, Ryan, but I do, I do love agree. That, though, if, that you like them. If I had to pick, I would definitely have Migosh on this trip. So I totally get it. But you got something, which is good. And I'm sure there's so many fans of the brownies yeah and of course you know who returns okay so is billy gonna be billy barty barty we'll see how many he shows up in <laughs> this man was on a roll he was in yeah. legend last week he's mm -hmm. in this again we'll see where he shows up he's gonna come up. well he's definitely gonna come up again at least once in the future so he played the high wizard in this in this yes. town what yes. did you think though of his his finger thing with guess the finger you become the new teacher i mean the new student so once a year i may have to read up on this i really didn't understand why he was like no we don't have any new apprentices you picked the wrong finger but then when it was time to actually do something let me hype him up and think he's the yep. shit and tell him oh yeah that's the right one and you are gonna make a great sorcerer i'm like why what's the change of heart you the lying old, you lying yeah and i i tried to think of a reason like well maybe when he picked the finger he didn't believe in himself right do you remember the mm. theme Ravel kept saying, you have to believe in the words, right? So he true. can go on this track of like, yes, I want to do magic and blah, blah, blah. But if he doesn't believe in himself when he's doing it, like, I'm not going to give you the job. Like, be confident when you're picking my finger. Forget all you know or think you know. All that you require is your intuition. Now, the power to control the world is in which finger? up my fingers what was your first impulse well it was stupid just tell me pick my own finger Aha. that was the correct answer you lack faith in yourself more than anyone in the village you have the potential to be a great sorcerer
And I'm guessing that's why he was like, nope, no apprentices. But technically he said, you know, I would just pick the finger that I would pick. And he goes, believe in yourself. You have instincts. And so I'm guessing that was the reason. But that sudden change that happened within five minutes, I was just like, you're just. Yeah, he needed him. He's like, this one's going to do it. This one's going to take this baby back. (laughs) I, I also thought it was. But like, again, with the brownies and stuff, this movie was funnier than it needed to be. I just Mm -hmm. did not remember so much comedic stuff in this. Just even when the high Eldwin like threw up the rock and turned to a bird and said, go follow the bird. And then he goes, he's going back to the village. Well, just, just forget the bird. That was my favorite part. Honestly, I think of the whole movie. Go in the direction the bird is flying. Going back to the village. Ignore the bird. Follow the river. Move out. But he said a lot of funny things. He was just like, oh yeah, this group needs a leader since you're not going to take the best warrior. And then all of a sudden, Van Carr's invited. <laughs> there was just a lot of funny things that I just didn't expect. And I, I liked this movie for it. it. It was very entertaining to see all of that. I got more of a quest than Legends last week. And I remember I kind of yeah. said that it felt like it was something with the pacing or something. Even yeah. though it was longer, I said it should have been shorter. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I see a movie now like Willow, and I think they did it so much better because there was more world building. I feel like we went on really a journey compared to, you know, the point A to point B in Legend in a way. Yeah, and I think that with Ridley Scott, like his whole point was to remove all of those elements and keep it just more focused on the characters and not the lay of the land. That's what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there was a reason why he did that. But yeah, he wanted to stand out and be different than most fantasy movies that you would see, which is what we got in Willow, which is this very typical journey. True. And, and, and very just, typical. And being introduced to the world as well as the characters. So yes, True. this is a more authentic, what we are used to type of quest. Do you think the humor is to balance horrific moments in the movie? Because honestly, even as a kid, I know this was more family friendly, I guess because it is George Lucas and Ron Howard and it was geared towards children. But to me, those devil dogs, the hounds, terrifying the troll that turns into, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Horrifying, right? Yeah. There's there's this um, term or, or just sort of a a a trope in movies where anytime you make a film surround you know for like kids or like a family film you always have to create a character that is profitable so like a big example would be frozen where olaf really doesn't do anything except for say funny things but it's because he's profitable he can turn into a toy he is something that yes will want to buy whether it's a stuffed plush doll or whatever like he is something that we want to you know make money off of and that sometimes even goes in with like a song you know like a musical or whatever like when you watch disney animated stuff like they have to make a song that's super catchy aside from songs that actually have meaning that's what it's going to say so to me it just sounds like with all the comedic stuff is going on i wonder if there was a method to that to where like they wanted to make the brownies 
profitable like the Ewoks or, you know, yes. have something that kids can relate to and sort of like take the edge off when we are getting attacked by dogs and, you know, women getting ripped to shreds and stuff like <laughs> that, <laughs> that beginning. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, th- I think the the comedy stuff was needed. Uh, I-, I can't say that this would be a full fledged like horror movie if it didn't have it, but it didn't hurt. Our mom B from Return to Oz playing a witch again in this movie. To me, she's horrifying. Like, I I just need to look at that woman's face in that mummy outfit that she's wearing with that mm-hmm. helmet. She was Mamra's sister. <laughs> yeah, what? Like, is she supposed to be ancient? Or is that just her look? I, I That might just be her look. I'm sure she has, like, a lot of backstory that we weren't, you know, given in this movie. But yeah, I think those are just, like, some kind of robes. Maybe she's got something real cute under there. She ain't trying to get dirty. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Do you you think, though, the villain, the skull face villain, I can't believe I'm forgetting his general... Isn't it Kale? Kale, Yes, Kale. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think he looked fantastic. He He gives you that Darth Vader-esque look of an imposing villain. I think he's underused, honestly. Really? You thought so? I think there's something about unmasking a villain maybe too early. I would have preferred him to be this skull person, unveiling that he's human. Yeah, we know he's human. But at the same time, like, keep him a mystery maybe a little longer i see that i mean he definitely proved to be the official right hand man to yes morta yes you have the daughter who by nepotism ends up in the position that she's in but really the true you know confidant to our queen Mm-hmm. is kale like i'm gonna turn to kale for this so yeah he was definitely a force you know it was somebody that needed to be beaten more than once you know like it he wasn't just gonna go down easy like he was a part of a lot of the sort of plot points that went on he officially kidnapped yes. the baby he's the one that you know got out one of our biggest heroes in the movie like he yeah he was a force and uh yeah i i found him to be a very like needed character for sure but yes i think if they wanted to make more of a scarier you know version of him make him more of like a ghost or a boogeyman they would yes yes and something imposing but not needed honestly but but yeah he did a great job the smirks he gave (laughs) when he would hate on the on the daughter (laughs) when sorcia would get red he'd be like yeah i know that's right that's why he has to be unveiled then he had to give those looks right he had to give face Mm -hmm. i honestly love that we get two women of a certain age battling i love that it's the two sorceresses it's not the old man you know seek the old man on the wizard of the hill with the long beard it's actually two women that have the power in this movie and they're older and punching battle at the end it always makes me laugh when she punches mombi in the face <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you have a really good point i i didn't really touch on the powerful woman part i mean i noticed it but when you tie it into also making willow sort of the unsung hero of this not to say that the men in this film are taking a, a heavy back seat or they're worthless but the movie is not about the white and shiny armor no. taking over and saving everyone. You know, even though it was through betrayal, Sorsha even stands out to be someone that we love to see win. Yes. And triumph. And yes, granted, Val Kilmer brought on a lot of the masculinity in this movie. But yeah, the movie definitely centered around the the people that you would see sort of on the sidelines take the forefront magic is our solution it's not brute strength and it's yes. not muscles it's yes. it's 
Yeah, it's it's the magic. So yes, to your point, I love the fact that these two women were a force to be reckoned with. Do not mess with us. <laughs> and yeah, I, I thought that was great. They had their, you know, Merlin and Madame Mim battle. Yes, Merlin and Madame Mim. That yes, was okay. Amazing. Yes. yes. I remember as a kid really, really laughing so hard over the fact that Ravel got the upper hand and was swinging her around the castle. And then she would just be like all laughing. And But I don't know. It was just because it looked like she was out for the count. You know, the rock falls on her. And then she tries to grab the wand all force like. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the force, you know. And then when she got it, she just yells out a chant and she goes flying. I just thought that scene was so funny. And then when she throws her to ground, remember Ravel gets up and just starts laughing. She's like, eh. The best. So good. I just remember getting a really good kick out of that. But let's turn it around. When she got up to go check on her, she was laying on the ground, revealed her face, and was poking her with the stick. And then all of a sudden, she screams at her. That was scary. Scary as hell. That's what I mean. Like, as a kid, that scared me. This Mm -hmm. woman looked evil. I think I just remembered that, again, Return to Oz. Like, she plays evil fantastic. Chef's kiss. She did very well. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The two-headed dragon, Rob, while we're talking about villains and things, as this was one of the highlights, I think, because it's one of the bigger action scenes. You got the trolls climbing up the buildings. You got, like, the big battle. The two-headed dragon is called Uber's because it is supposed to be Siskel and Ebert. And this is there to like, ha ha at them as like, you know, never liking their movies or whatever. <laughs> wow. Are you serious? I'm surprised they didn't look different. Cause you would think one would be like, look maybe more, a yes. taller. So, oh my God. I had no idea. And speaking of our General Cal, General Cal was another, I guess what they're considering, a villain. It was a female movie critic with the last name of Cal, Rob. And Mm. she was another hardcore critic that probably didn't like anything. And she is the other (laughs) creature, you know, the name of the other villain. Oh, wow. So they they didn't like what was going on with these reviews, I guess, in 1988. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I did not know that. That that's pretty crazy. It, it you know, I think people use these movies sometimes, you know, when they make them, they're very cathartic for them to just really lay out everything. You know, uh, I just read something or I heard something online um with James Gunn and Guardians. I don't know if you saw Guardians yet. No, oh my god, okay. but I know it's amazing, right? Uh, I mean, not to fully get into it, but basically the movie centers around this entire team rallying together to save one member of their team from dying, right? And the movie also has a theme of second chances and things like that. James Gunn sort of saw himself as Rocket because the whole world rallied against him 
for his comments that he made on Twitter and they were trying to remove him from, you know, but the people who had his back was the cast. They all stood next to him and said, we will never do another Guardians movie unless he's directing it. That's sort of what happened in this movie. This entire team did everything possible to save this man's life so this is sort of his living story um with that particular situation in his life and so yeah sometimes sometimes you know these things that happen to them personally are projected in these films and and this is a way for them to just kind of let it all out and so i totally get it another unscripted talk about real life moment was the throw-up scene rob the throw-up scene when the baby is vomiting oh, on okay. that the person from the, the I, I forgot the character's name, but he was the one against Willow all the time. Cut. Thank you, yes. Oh, and thank God that Rob had to say that. Um, I would have said Robo-mutt. <laughs> it was actually just one of the takes. The baby vomited, and they thought it was actually acute to, to keep it in. So that was real? I thought that was like pancake mix. I thought it looked too. It looked terrible. Like, it looked to me like phony, like fake. But they said it was real, and they left it in. Wow, that's funny. So this gives me an opportunity to then just say thank you for that authentic, you know, (laughs) method acting that Alora was doing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every single shot of Alora, her face matched every single mood that needed to be given at that time. She is like one of the best actresses in this movie. I'm telling you. Horrible! Her cues seriously matched every single mood. Every scene, just even either if it was confusion or like, I love when Matt Mardigan was swinging her around the moment he held her for the first time, <laughs> and she gave him this look like, "Chill out, dude. Like, I, I'm, I know I'm cute, but we ain't got to do all this. Like, calm down. It's okay." But it's just like all the cues were just great. I love this baby. This baby was great, and I do love that they made her this wise beyond her years kind of baby. Even when like she's saying, "No, she's choosing you, Willow, to protect her." Like. I- it's something very mythical again with that. But yeah, the baby is just, she was fantastic. And they definitely gave us enough cute close-ups of giggles and smiles to make you go, oh, the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of the things that stood out to me in this one was the music, of course. Yes, it did sound like Star Wars in a bit, but there were also moments yes. that, okay, there's this particular scene um, when they're rescuing Alora from the camp when it was all snowy yes. in winter. The music in the background, I feel, was straight up from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ooh, oh my God. That's hysterical. Okay. I don't know if it was a Disney connection to use some of this it just when they were in you know the the backyard and i think they either had to deal with auntie or or the, or the scorpion or something it really sounded like honey i with the kids i swear i need to go back and listen that's great yeah uh the other thing with that uh same scene is it Rizel or ravel it's Rizel, Re- Ravel, right? ravel 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 no it's Rizel. yeah it is Rizel. <laughs> rob is the wrong person i know so so Rizel, excuse me i probably said ravel earlier so Rizel, there was a moment moment when she was like change me to my human form right <laughs> and i think she was a muskrat or something at yes first. okay so she she asked to be changed back to a human but she went inside their cage to do it and i'm like what if this had worked you would have just been another human 
Exactly. Inside of the cage. I thought that was funny. But turning her into a human was definitely a foreshadow of like, he needs to, you know, believe in himself for it to work. Otherwise, it's just going to get all messed up. I thought that was funny. But yeah, uh, I love the line when Mad Mardigan was like, what are you going to look like if this were? (laughs) She goes, I am a young, beautiful woman. And then he's like, concentrate, Willow, concentrate. It's so funny because, I mean, of course, I knew what she was going to turn into, Rob, but that voice, even when you're young, you're like, that's not a young voice. That's not going to turn out to be no young woman, Willow. It's not. It's not. Willow, we have work to do. Give me the wand. We must undo Bavmorda's sorcery. Let them in now. And when I was younger, I always thought that she was the midwife that put him in the, oh! put her in the river it's not i think she literally just that would have been great actually yeah i think she was ripped apart we weren't but... really introduced to her character at all and all we got was oh yeah she was put under a curse that's it i honestly thought for the longest time that those two were the same person like they tore her up and then the queen then put her you know did a binks on her and so i but it but it's not it's it's a different person and I, i'm like okay so it's it's just great to be able to notice stuff like that when you are older and you know you can see stuff like that but the other thing that i wanted to talk about was our daikinis what do we think of the human population in this movie were these heroes people that we loved were they just rotten people just just dragged down from the war and yes they definitely stood on the right side of the of the war line right of the line of the enemy line but like was any of them likable do we care for all of them at all sorsha mad martin like eric i guess mad martin only because they want to do that han solo thing that he's this scoundrel and that he becomes a hero i guess him out of everybody because he has those comedy moments what are you doing? I found some black root. She loves it. Black root? I am the father of two children, and you never ever give a baby black root. Well, my mother raised us on black root. It's good for you. The chair on your chest, doesn't it, Dick? Her name is not Sticks. She's a Laura Dannon, the future empress of Tyrus Lee. And the last thing she's gonna want is a hairy chest. <laughs> did you see what he did? He stole our black root. I'll get some more. Don't worry about it. To me, it's Willow. It's the magic. So so notice, as we are talking about these daikinis in this way, the only other humans that really stand out is Sorsha and Eric, who just happen to be redheaded. And they we, are red. <laughs> and we know how they were treated back in the day. So again, I see you. It sucks. Uh, you know, Alora was wow. redhead of her, but like, yes, they weren't really given the best roles in this movie. So I will just acknowledge that for what it is. It sucks that that was put in their situation. <laughs> I always think of a pup named Scooby-Doo. Red herring! <laughs> so he's gonna be the redhead. Red herring! Forget it, you dipstick! 
I didn't steal anything. It seems that Sorsha and Mad Mardigan both had roles where they felt they needed to be redeemed, right? They yes. were questioning their identity, where they fall in the mess of all of this. You know, which side do they want to, you know, be on? Sorsha, it's interesting with her because I feel we don't get too much of a backstory, but we get enough to understand why she had the betrayal, right? Right. This unconventional love of her and her mom, you know, like she straight up tells one of her advisors, like, I trust her more than I would ever trust yours. You know, your, you know, loyalty. Yeah. Right. But he foresaw it. He said at some point she is going to betray you. And she brushed it off like it wasn't nothing. But the whole entire movie, they were never in sync. They were never on the same That's page. That's true. She would constantly berate her and just command, command. Why? You know, she's even like, you're not even good anymore. I'm going to send my best man to, because clearly <laughs> yeah. you need guidance. You need help. You need supervision. I'm going to just, you know, and she's mad. She's like, you put me in this position. You're undermining it by having this guy come with me now. So where is this loyalty coming from? And I think it's just very, you know, it, it's her ego that just thinks that everyone is oh, loyal to her by default. You know, why wouldn't my own daughter? But do you see how devastated this woman was when she found out about? You know what? I'll give her character that that she actually believed in her daughter's alliance and it wasn't like the whole like I'm gonna kill you before you kill me but yeah there is something about that that she was devastated that her daughter or is it her ego like you said that she would never think that especially her daughter would do yeah. such a thing and, and it was not even trivial she didn't even like bad an eye she was willing to kill this woman immediately I didn't know how the daughter was okay with killing a baby to begin with yeah yeah I mean I mean you just kind of do. And, and that's the other thing, too. It's like, I don't think Sorsha did it to kill her mom. It was more of just yes. like, we cannot just be killing babies yes. in this world. <laughs> I don't care what's going on. Babies should not be dying. But I, but you got to wonder, though, would she still have done it if she wasn't persuaded by our... Honestly think that. Really? I it, maybe it would have happened years later, but I think it's one of those things that things are put in the perfect place, that people are put in the place for the event to happen. Like on Charms, like this has to happen. You're right, like if she wasn't put with those people in that situation, I think it would have taken maybe more years for her to stand up. Okay. Possibly, I mean, I don't know, maybe not. Well, I, I know that Kale, there was a moment when he, you know, kidnaps the baby when they're at the castle and he witnesses Sorsha not only battling her own people, but she is back to back with Mad Mardigan. And I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to tell on you when I get back. <laughs> he, he stared at that moment for a good like three seconds and was like, I see how it is. Oh, I can't wait to go back and tell. I know that that was the moment. But honestly, if that Morta, you wonder if it's like if she had hugged this woman more as a child, would we, mm -hmm. we be seeing a totally different movie? She clearly made her a warrior, probably very like was a very cold mother, I'm sure. But, you know, Val Kilmer can be pretty persuasive, though. <sighs> Honestly, that kind of betrayal doesn't really happen overnight, right? For me, no, no. for me, I think it takes just a little bit more than somebody wooing me to make me see eye to eye. But I think that the relationship between her and her mother was going on for a minute you don't just immediately say oh my mother's wrong fuck all this no also killing a baby 
could also just be a turning point too, you know? <laughs> you would hope. You, I mean, that would have been the turning point for me. But I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm hearing David's voice in my head going, she did it for the D. She did it for the D. <laughs> like, I, I know that's, that's what he would be saying now. So that's for you, David. I also love that the camera panned right over to, uh, or switched right over to the elder when he spilled <laughs> the beans. Because she had this devastating face and we're like, oh, what does the elder think? He didn't give a smirk or anything, but he was like, I told you so, bitch. I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> but I love how the camera went on. It's those little moments, right? It yeah, gives it a lot of character to this movie. So I, I saved my notes. Save the best for last. Mad Martigan. Let me just say that Val Kilmer. Hot off Top Gun. Yes. Very hot off Top Gun. He is gorgeous. I love I love the dark hair. I can go without the blonde any day. Bruce Wayne, Top Gun, what was his name? Moose in that or something? You no, know, he was the Iceman. 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 I can go without that. Like, and there were some even movies even after. I'm just, I'm not a fan of the blonde hair, but this dark, long haired gentleman, my God. You do love was, the longer hair, right? Yeah. He was, he was a very beautiful man in this movie. The chest hair was working it. He had the the nice body. He did not have to be muscular. I, I like right. It was just it was perfect enough. Like I didn't need him to be Conan. Yeah, but he, he was very charismatic. I believed all he said under the dust of broken heart. You know, I wasn't feeling his look beforehand. But my question to you though, so I remember when we first saw him. He's in the cage. His teeth looked literally rotten. Yeah. To the floor. Okay. And then all of a sudden, he gets free. He goes to this village. Maybe he took a shower, but I'm like, all of a sudden, his teeth are just white as snow. What was that? Because you know it wouldn't have gone away with just a brushing of one teeth either. Yeah, yeah. We'll start pointing this out until this bill is destroyed. But this is also an example of a man who does drag. And what do you do? We praised him. We didn't give a shit. Who said anything like, oh my god, I can't. Val Kilmer dressed up as a woman and was hit on by a man and yada yada. Like, we've been doing drag forever since when did this movie come out? 88. Yeah. 88. So this is another example but it's okay because you know val kimmer definitely you know likes women so that's fine for him since sake shakespeare times but really yeah, honestly this, this is on disney plus do we see it banned where is where like there's no problem nothing happened <laughs> so there's one i wanted to touch a little bit on matt Mardigan's character because immediately when we see him we think he's garbage Eric, who is yeah. a renowned warrior and soldier, gives him this reputation like, you don't serve anyone. You have no loyalty to no one. You're just a misfit and you go by your own rules. And I'm like, is it though? I don't know this, you know, Matt Mardigan's side of the story. So I looked it up. True. I looked it up. So this is how he ended up in the cage. Mad Mardigan was at odds with the minister, Jareneth. I'm, I'm guessing who was a part of this castle that he used to belong, work for. So this minister was very jealous of him. And then he also, Mad Mardigan, fell in love with a princess, uh, Charisma of Kashmir, and forced to choose between breaking the knight's code or his own heart. So he could either be with this princess or try to be, but he would be breaking the knight's code. Jareneth, he or the minister orchestrated convincing the princess that Mad Mardigan was cheating on her. Oh! And so this princess, wow. be this princess believed him, and so the 
the princess accused Mad Mardigan of revealing court secrets to her. Like, oh, yeah, all the you know, the Knights Roundtable or whatever. Like, we like I know all the tea. Like, he's been telling me all of these things. And so with that being said, he lost all of his honor along with the armor and the stature and the knighthood and all of that stuff he lost. So he was banned, right? So then out of a little bit of depression and despair, like he's drinking himself to death in taverns and he's being haunted by, you know, just everybody just kind of ragging on him when he really didn't do anything but trust in a woman to fall in love with, right? And so Queen um, Bav Morta was then beginning to expand her borders, taking over all of these different, remember how they were saying that, oh, Tira's lean was taking over all this yes. stuff. So... He had an opportunity to really, like, do we want to go back into the, you know, the knighthood? And he was just like, screw all of you. So the Knights of Galadorn, you know, took to arms to, you know, repulse her. And, and at Land's End, and Eric gave him one last chance to regain his honor. Uh, Mad Mardigan lost this opportunity by deserting Eric at Land's End. So remember that, that whole okay. And so um, that's why he was put in the cage. He, you know, because they he left. He was like, I'm not going to fight for you. So when they caught up with him, it's like when you're being drafted and you choose not to fight in the war, you get arrested. So that's, that's what happened. Yeah, he said, sit in your what, your casket and rot in yeah. it or something like totally had this idea that he was this piece of trash guy locked away. Yeah, so I wanted to give you a little bit of perspective that, you know, he you know, he was deceived and he lost a lot of hope and didn't really trust in being on someone's team. And then meeting Willow, he learned to like fight for something righteous and he chose to fight for Nelwyn's. <laughs> Cause at first you're like, when Willow, you know, is thinking about giving him the baby and he's like, yeah, give me the baby, give me the baby. You're like, Oh my God, what is this guy going to do with this baby? But you know what? Look at that decent man. <laughs> So, Rob, I just want to mention there was a few tie-in merchandise pieces made. And shockingly, because this is Lucasfilm, that there was not mass amounts of merchandise. But what we got was a board game, Rob, that is evidently highly loved by many people who have played it. They said it's a great board game out in 88. A three-part Marvel comic that told the story of the movie. A lunchbox. I had the lunchbox. You did? I wish I still had it, but I had the lunchbox. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea it existed until I looked it up. I'm so mad that I didn't keep it, but yeah. That's amazing. Nintendo game in the style of Legend of Zelda. I remember that. Never played it, though. Never played it either. I would have loved it. Yeah, it would have been interesting. And then my personal favorite was, this was made by Tonka Toys, who made Tonka cars, which is so crazy. Trucks and Tonka. Yes, they made little um, statues. They were little figure statues. And Rob, when I was younger, I don't, I cannot believe I did this. My cousin, my older cousin had this whole collection in the package still, gave it to me. I think I was eight years old and I opened all of them. I had all of these Willow figures. I can't, I can't even imagine. I'm screaming now because I don't know where they're gone. Yeah. But I had each one in the package. He literally had the whole collection, gave it to me. It was his. But goodbye, Willow figures. Aww. And then recently, and we didn't even touch on the sequel series. Yeah. 
they made a line of toys, Super 7, in their reaction retro style that made movie-based ones, but now is going to do characters from the Disney Plus sequel series. Very nice. That's cool. I like that. And then finally, Rob, there are three sequel books that were released in 95, 96, and 2000. The book took place one year after the movie. We find out that half of the cast from the movie is killed with the first two minutes of the book. Oh my god. Besides Willow and the baby and a few other people. Oh wow. So this is not canon to like the series or anything? This is just... No, so evidently this was George Lucas's idea. He had a, a writer take on the book he gave them the ideas they wrote them and now the sequel series has kind of you know erased this in canon i see i see a uh, stupid question I- i'm ashamed to say i have not watched it yet but i i haven't it's not a stupid question okay I, okay <laughs> yeah i haven't had a chance and and the reason why is because while i have a long list on my queue I started to hear a little bit of feedback and apparently Willow, the series didn't really do as well with expanding the story. The show, I guess necessarily didn't know who was it about? Was it about the queen? Was it about the baby? Was it about Willow? And I think there might've been a lot of plot holes. I, I, again, these are, these are things that I'm hearing while it is an okay show and that they got everyone to come back. They did get people. Okay. I mean, I know Warwick. Yeah. But everyone, like his entire family comes back. I think Oh my god! like the daughter, like the daughter might've been replaced Mims, but the son definitely, I I saw his credit in, in the series. So I think he's back. But Kaya is definitely back. Um, and the queen, I don't know if the grown up Alora actress is still in this after all these years, but I mean, the story centers around her character, I think, because the one question I had when I was watching this was the prophecy said that this baby was going to grow up and be the downfall of Queen Babmorda, but actually it wasn't. Willow got rid of this woman, technically, or she got rid of herself, you know, in in the battle. She thought, you know, (laughs) that magic trick was so funny. I love it. But this baby didn't do anything. So what downfall, what, you know, like, so uh, I was told that that question is answered in the series. But into what form, I don't know. But apparently this show just didn't do a justice in continuing what all happened in the movie. So I have been a little bit slow on picking it up. And it did officially get canceled after one season. So I don't even know if they closed it up at the end and gave it a proper one. Or maybe left it as a cliffhanger. I don't know. I may watch it one day. I am very curious. But yeah, it's unfortunate that the series didn't work out. It's so crazy to say this because if we were kids and this series came out, I would have been like, oh my god, there would have been no question. Yeah, of course. But it is weird saying how much we love this movie now. I mean, I do have interest, but you're right. I heard so many things about it that I'm kind of like, it's not that it's going to ruin it, but do you like, do you even want to get involved? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that who knows? Maybe, maybe this summer will inspire me to actually watch the series. Yeah, maybe before the summer ends, I might check out a few episodes or something. I think you're right, Rob. The fact that it was canceled always makes me like oh because you know they probably were tying they're gonna tie something into a second season and then it gets canceled yeah rob do you have some recommendations for us this week i do rob's recommendations (laughs) 
for most of you who are general movie watchers, I think most of these are self-explanatory, right? Like, I, <laughs> I tried to really think deep down exactly what type of movies I can recommend. Not necessarily that ties into Willow, but just something kind of similar in, as far as tone and whatnot. But this, this list might be a little bit too on the nose, so I do apologize that I didn't expand. The one movie that I think that stands out of course with willow is its tie-in with star wars i mean yes i'm an example of someone who you know watches star wars didn't really like it as much it yeah. was decent it's fine but then like willow however i think other people who enjoy willow i think will like a sci-fi version of the same type of story so True. i am recommending star wars it is a george lucas film it's not the exact same thing, but at the same time, if you really liked sort of the pacing and the way things were going, I'm sure that this epic movie and this epic franchise would be a winner for you. But I know that most of our listeners are, have probably already seen it. So these are this is for someone who's never really touched on the series, I think. You're there. I mean, there are people. Yeah, so. give it a shot. Give it a shot. Um, of course, I am going to recommend Leprechaun, and it's only for <laughs> Warwick Davis's brilliant performance as the iconic leprechaun i mean come on watch leprechaun okay He's if anything so just watch the first three you don't even have to watch the whole series just watch the first three enjoy it for what they are and then leave it alone <laughs> true uh the next movie that i will recommend if you did enjoy leprechaun is onward disney one of our latest disney films it deals with tons and tons of magic and it focuses around a little boy who's not really good with magic but tries it anyway and there's shenanigans and yada yada a lot of mystical creatures and characters that are in this i think it is a very fun film and it touches on family a lot heavy heavy family roots in this movie onward is, is a fun film i like it and if you enjoy the voices of chris pratt and tom holland there you go <laughs> now if you did not like willow this movie was not for you i'm gonna recommend two other fantasy films that are a little bit darker a little bit more rooted in realism a little bit more poetic maybe a little scarier the first one is pan's labyrinth yes Ooh, scary <laughs> yeah from 2006 and the next one is from 2005 a lot of people actually may not know this movie it just sort of slipped under the radar without becoming a cult classic like our other films like labyrinth never ending story i think that to this movie tried to remind us of the love we had for these fantasy films back in the day but it just didn't hit right however i find this movie to be so unique and so on its own that i think it deserves a second watch it's called mirror mask never seen it see exactly so i'm just gonna read the plot for a second it says in a fantasy world of opposing kingdoms a 15 year old girl must find the fabled mirror mask in order to save the kingdom and get home this gives me zelda vibes in a way Ooh, i'm looking this up right and now. <laughs> yeah also just sort of the cinematography and the music it's very guillermo del Toro, just a little bit but it 
ties into all of the elements that we love from these movies from the 80s. And so I would say give Mirror Mask a try. Maybe this is more your speed. Never now, heard of this. I almost suggested this, but we only had so many slots. And I know that the classics and, you know, we're not doing much of 2000s. So I couldn't really go into that year and, and pick this because it's not old enough. So I know we're sticking to the 90s and 80s and being, you know, and before. So check out Mirror Mask. See if you like it. It looks really interesting from the pictures I'm looking at. Okay. And the last film that I want to recommend in case Willow wasn't your thing, but I think this film brings on the fun and it also does involve little brownies in a way um, is Night at the Museum. Yes fun too i i think this movie still brings on fantasy but is again still grounded more on today's modern world but yet still brings in that element of special effects you know magic and things like that i think this is a fun film and i'm not hearing too much about it yes we did get an animated series but um I I found this movie to be fun. And again, what another great opportunity to watch Robin Williams do what he does best. Was there three of them, Rob? There was. Yeah. Okay, so I then I did see all three then. The third one. Oh no. Yeah, the third one I think had Rebel Wilson in it. Okay, yeah. So I will say the first two are probably the best, but the first one for sure is amazing. And it gives you all of those, like you're saying, the adventure, the heart. Yeah, um, yeah. It was Battle of Smithsonian. That was the second one. And then Secret of the Tome was the third one. I can't remember. I think they tried to get Malik back on the, on the evil side. They tried to corrupt him again. Yes. I think that's what it was about. Remy, yeah, Remy Malik. And, oh, who was such a cutie in that one? Oh. <laughs> oh, but anyways, yes, Night of the Museum. So those are my recommendations for Willow. Rob's Recommendations. So there must be something to the magic formula as well. That there's, especially recently, even with The Mandalorian and The Last of Us, just so happened to be both Pedro Pascal, but the formula of somebody protecting a child, somebody in there going on epic adventures. So like, that's evidently a timeless tale, Rob. Yeah. So what did you think about Willow? Did you like it? We didn't talk about if you actually enjoyed this rewatch. I did. I I don't know if I had gone into this without ever seeing this movie and going into a rewatch and without having nostalgia, if I would still feel the same way, but it hit all the notes that I wanted it to be. You know, like, is it the best epic fantasy movie? Maybe not, but it holds up to me, Rob. It's nostalgic. I can't fault it too much. There's moments that, of course, could be, you know, a little better, but all in all, great rewatch. Yeah, I had a, I had some fun with watching Willow again. Again, I didn't realize how funny it was. I thought there were a lot of moments yeah. that were just trying to be funny just for being funny. And, and I appreciate that mix of genres, right? The special effects were great when they were all turning into pigs. Like, that was just Ooh. one example of so many great special effects and makeup. Come for a Laura Diamond. You dare to challenge me? You're not warriors. I thought the trolls looked great. I, I love the underdog story. So I have a special place for this movie. Will it work in today's audience? I actually think that it would. I can't guarantee that everyone would love it, but I think this story still has a place in today's Hollywood. 
I think. That's my opinion. If we really wanted to take it back and, you know, and and go back to its roots and just have a good authentic fantasy, you know, knighthood sort of thing. A lot of movies now, the only way to incorporate that time period is if it's time travel or a kid stumbles upon a curse and unlocks it onto New York City or whatever the case may be. You know, you don't really see movies like this unless it's made by B-rated production companies or whatever. That's true in the desert on the sci-fi channel when nothing around, it's just an empty field. Yeah, yeah. It's mythical. I I still think that there's a place in, in, in movies to have these type of authentic fantasy movies and I think Willow's a great example to show case that so i had fun with this rewatch i think warwick davis is just amazing so charming at 17 being able to carry a whole movie i know val kilmer is definitely they try to put him in the forefront because of his popularity but it's really warwick davis's movie i think i think so too so we will continue of course our sword and sorcery summer all summer long even through september we'll be here doing stuff we know charmed is over rob but where can people still find you (laughs) i am coming up with many many ideas to try and uh, project another podcast so maybe we'll see one in the future i have a couple of ideas but right now i'm just living my life loving movies and just reviewing every single movie that i watch for the year of 2023 and posting it on instagram as it ties into my letterbox account if you look up uh rob the movie geek you will find my profile and you can see every single film that i've watched thus far in the year whether it's a rewatch for the show or um first watch at the movies or you know streaming or whatnot i give you a review on everything so check me out on Instagram and also here on the podcast. Of course, the links will be in the description box below, as well as the Radical Retro Rewind podcast. One word on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, everywhere, everywhere your your podcasts are enjoyed. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Rob. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>